This week on How to Be 60, we're talking about Emma Thompson's new film about a 59-year-old widow in search of the sex life she never had. And there is a whole lot of sharing going on. It's scaring the shit out of me. Hello, everyone. Can I have two first-class tickets to Nottingham, please? Uh, this is Kay Adams with a stuffed-up nose and a, your weekly dose of How to Be Sixty, sitting opposite Karen McKenzie, who is uh, double-masked and disdainful. Do you remember that advert? It what no. No idea what you're talking about. Two first class ticket to Nottingham, please. The guy who was all stuffed up. And then he got some magic preparation that that kind of relieved it. well, it was for unstuffing your nose. No, I know, but what, what? was it for? <laughs> Why would it be for Rennies? No, not Rennies. What oh was it God. for? <laughs> I meant something medical. I never take it. Actually, I'm smelling you just now from here. I know. In a, I don't mean I'm smelling you. Well, no, I, I know you are. But it's quite pleasant. But wow, it's strong. It is odomenthal. I've, I've just got that. This is the worst cold. Well, it's the only cold I've had in three years. It is just, oh my God. So the I'm only just... cold you've had in three years? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. quite impressive. It is the COVID years and it's the only time that I've had oh, anything right. like this, but I'm in a bubble of menthol. I could do with a hot toddy. I could do you a bit further away. <laughs> Does anyone actually drink a hot toddy? Uh, but you say my, it, don't you? Yeah, my dad used to try and feed us it. I think it was just an excuse to get the bottle out of it himself. Well, I mean, that was a Scottish thing with whiskey, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, they used sugar to put it on our gums. No. Ah, uh-huh. no, yeah. that was that toothache. Was, um, no, 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 no. That no, wasn't no, it. My, my, my dad did that. If you had toothache, he'd put whiskey on your gums. We're supposed to be close. That was an excuse as well. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Both Scots. Oh, Dad, I'm tired. Let's get the whiskey out. <laughs> it's not um, really the day to have a stuffed up nose because we're talking about sex again. <laughs> Um, Again, and, and they don't really go together, do they? I mean, who wants to have sex with a stuffed up nose? You just don't, do well, you? Well, you can't have a decent snog, could you? No. Hang on. No, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely <laughs> awful smell. Though, having said that, if you were going to fake an orgasm, you go, ah, 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 that, that was early. <laughs> <laughs> that might work. Might <laughs> I think we're going to have to. Actually... I want to know whether you've ever done that. What? Faked. Oh, 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 well, we'll come but, to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's. Um, oh, don't forget it because I know what you're like. Then you go off on another tangent. No, and let's I never. Do, I never get the answers. Let's do delayed gratification on that one, shall we? Yeah. Is that a pun? Yeah, no, it's not. It's no. not. Um, I think we should rename this podcast "How to Be Sexy." <laughs> How to get it right Rather than how to be sexy because Oh that's quite good isn't it I didn't get that People are going to think that we're are, are you with us Are you in the room <laughs> It's not me that's got the cold I mean Rennie's No It was a decongestant What's Rennie's for again Oh indigestion Oh my Right Kate I'm here for God's sakes Right That can all be edited out Should we start again no, but I'm just thinking people will think we're, we're obsessed because, of course, we've had your story about going vibrator shipping. Hang on. You're the one that's obsessed. You're the one that asks the questions. But no, I'm not. I don't bring it up. We have organic conversations, excuse <laughs> Orgasmic me. Orgasmic conversations. <laughs> okay, yeah, we do, we do. So you're the one who talked about going for vibrator shopping. I mean, and of course we had... Apropos, nothing, of Nothing course. at all, nothing <laughs> at all. Uh, we, we, of course, had our crotch-to-crotch incident. You? And then Jenny Eclair last week. Getting warm. Uh-huh. My God, oh, you're getting warm. So you started again. <laughs> You've taken her clothes off. <laughs> Just a talk. Were you shocked last week by Jenny Eclair? Yes. Now, Were I, you? Because I, I was looking at your face and I was thinking, did I look oh my aghast. God, we we three for the Highlands of Scotland, how is this going down? <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, 
I think I saw Jenny Eclair probably at the fringe. Oh my God. I'm just trying to think how old I am. Maybe over 30 years ago. And I was probably a bit, it's a bit uncomfortable. I think I used to go through anything that I would go and see, like live events or cinema. I think, couldn't take my mum to see this. Couldn't take my mum to see that. I'd always, that would be the way I gauge it. Couldn't take my mum to see that. And I think, yeah, do you know what? I, I was, I sort of then veered away from Jenny and I, Actually, I never really thought about her until, you know, we had her on as a guest. And actually, she's really funny. I know, she, she's great. <laughs> but I wonder if you do get to an age, you're almost, I was going to say, do you get to an age, you're too old to be vulgar in that people don't really receive it very well. Um, but I'm interested that you say that at an earlier stage in your life, you gauged everything by what yes. your mum would think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that I couldn't take her to see it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Because actually, what the reason we are talking about sex today, and we do have a good reason for once to be talking about <laughs> sex today, um, is because of this film that is out. Good luck to you, Leo Grand, which is uh, Emma Thompson's uh, new film. Um, so it's Emma Thompson. Daryl McCormack is the very gorgeous young very Irish gorgeous. actor. My goodness, isn't he? Yes. Um, so she's a retired Zeke. teacher in her late 50s. Uh, she was widowed two years prior, um, had a pretty dull pedestrian sex life uh, and has now hired this young escort to show her a thing or two. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I think quite a lot of it is around the generational aspect to it, that she is just a woman who grew up in a time and obviously in a household whereby, you know, the woman's desires were pretty low on the priorities. Sex was not discussed. Yeah. I mean, I remember that when I was about 15, we got letters home from school to ask whether it was okay to get sex education. And I think my mum was one of very few to say no. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was mortified. And I don't, I, anyway, it never happened. Now, I don't know whether it happened for everyone else in the class. At a time where I wasn't around, but I don't know whether it's, it was, yeah, awful. I, I always think my mum used to think it's completely natural to have children. It's not natural to have sex. That's the feeling that I got. And so what, what, well, I mean, in terms of your parents' relationship, when you were growing up, did you have any idea that they were having sex? I mean, was it ever discussed? Ooh, that Sunday morning thing. I think that was it. What do you mean? Well, you... <laughs> God, no, I can't even bear to go there. I'm trying to think. Say I was about 15. My mum had me when she was 40. Did so, she? Yeah, well, 39. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're still at it then, then? Oh, that, I think that might have been the last time. Yeah. I think it was elbows after that. It was like, <laughs> behave yourself. <laughs> oh, yes. So what happened on a Sunday morning? You were just here, behave yourself. <laughs> Really, so that was. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. Is this making it. you really uncomfortable? It is partly because if anyone's still alive that knows my mother, they'll be thinking, "Oh, for God's sake! Imagine talking about your mum like that." Mum's passed away. Um, so yeah, it it and and as a result, you know, God, I knew he oh was never. I never had any discussion about periods, about sex, about anything with my mother. I think my mother thought she's got three older sisters. She can ask them, but yeah, they didn't really yeah, help but then either. Where did, where did they get it from? I mean, where did she think oh, they were going to get it from? Oh my God, I have absolutely no idea. But that's interesting because we are, well, obviously I'm a good bit younger than you. I and mean, it must be coming up for two, two years, two months <laughs> and a few weeks younger than you. Um, but my mum was completely different. Well, you're very lucky. Yeah. Very well, lucky. Or you were unlucky. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that they were, you know. Well, I wondered how many people out there just didn't have that conversation of our generation yeah 
Yeah. I, I don't know. And, and it doesn't help, I think, that my mum, as you say, we free jokingly. My grandmother was a wee free. Now, right away... Some people might not know what that is, Okay, you know? well, it's a blinking hellish religion that is worse than any other religion, I think. Uh, that, that there's no there's no pleasure, there's no flowers or singing at funerals, there's no everything shuts down at six o'clock on a Saturday night. Um, there's no singing, no radio. They didn't have a television anyway, in my, and, and this is the far northwest of Scotland. Um, no knitting, no, it just no knitting. nothing. You couldn't. Oh my knit. god, imagine I can't imagine not having knitting in my life. What would I do? <laughs> well, you no know, knitting. What like. Why is that? Probably because it was seen as some sort of pleasure. I don't know. Or Jesus just... Christ. I quite like that, okay. I know, but I mean, it's not really something you would take away to destroy the pleasure of well, life, the is it? The thing is, the thing is, when you're not allowed to do anything else, you think, right, it's either reading. You're probably limited in what you could read. You probably only allowed to read the Bible. Anyway, I'm banging on about this too much. But when you've grown up in that uh, household, what on earth do you then bring to your own children? You either think, oh my God, wasn't that hellish? Or it's learned behaviour and you pass some of that on, you know? And my mother, I think she did her best, but, you know, <laughs> I am the way I am. God, thanks, mom. But yeah. Well, God, I'm, I'm intrigued as to how that affected. Well, listen, what I was going to say is I'm going to play a little clip of the film Um and uh, we're going to speak to Angela Matanda today, who is a psychotherapist and relationship expert. And she's going to be um, answering a lot of your issues. <laughs> no, <laughs> listen, baby, you've got a lot more issues than I have. You've just outed yourself completely. And the thing is with you is you don't, but they're all in there. They're suppressed in there. So today, Kay, not that you know it, but we're going to hear a little bit about you. No, 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 no. I, I don't think I've got issues. Oh, how we laughing. <laughs> I just picked myself up off the floor. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad thing to have issues. I'm trying to spin that in a positive fashion now. Um, right, here we go. Um, let's have a little listen. I'm Leo. You must be Nancy. May I come inside? Yes. So I've made a list of things that I'd like to get through. Number one, uh, I perform oral sex on you. Number two, you perform oral sex on me. Number three, we do a 69, if that's what it's still called. Um, four, me on top. Five, doggy style. That all sounds very achievable. Have I booked enough time? You, you want to do it all today? <laughs> yes, no. I've never had an orgasm. There are nuns out there with more sexual experience than me. It's embarrassing. Do you want me to brush my teeth? Oh, God. This is crazy. Nancy? It's terrible. It's wrong. Nancy? Yes? Come have a dance at me. <laughs> How are you, Angela? I'm very well. This is an intriguing conversation. But, you know, it's so funny because there you are, a psychotherapist, relationship expert, and you've been watching the pair of us for the last 10 minutes. And I bet you, I'm, I'm, I was just sort of glancing at the side of my eye and I thought, oh, she's taking notes here. She <laughs> is feeling the repression, the tension, the pent up <laughs> frustration. In both of us. Is it that well, obvious? Well, I tell you what I'm picking up on is the areas of commonality that that so many people have when it comes to conversations around sex. Where did you learn about sex? What was, you know, how was sex taught to you or talked about by your parents, particularly if, you know, if you're a woman by your mum and all this kind of generational trauma around sex. 
and and it's on a continuum. Some people have had great experiences in terms of what they've been taught and how they've been introduced to sex. And there's quite a lot who've had a horrendous experience. They can't even say the word sex in front of their parents and all their parents can't even, you know, that something comes on the telly where two people are kissing and the telly goes off. <laughs> so these are very common issues that a lot of people have, have shared with me, certainly. And, you know, a lot of studies show that this is this is not surprising. So you recoiling in horror is quite, you know, I've seen it lots of times before. <laughs> yeah, but the, the funny thing is my parents weren't repressed about sex at all. I mean, they, they, they were really, I, mean, I don't know whether ahead of the time, but they were very relaxed. I was very aware that they fancied each other a lot. Oh, that's How lovely. were you aware of that? How, how did you know that? Well, they were both, uh, they're, they're both gone now, unfortunately, but they were both um, attractive people. And I know right. that shouldn't, I don't think you have to be attractive to have sex, thank God, or I wouldn't have had much. But, um, you know, they were both attractive people. They were both kind of, my mum wasn't that touchy-feely, but they had a very fiery relationship. They could have furious rows, absolutely furious rows. Right. Um, but you, there, was a, there was a sort of tension between them that was a good sexual Spark. tension. It was, you know, some marriages after a long time, they just become bored with each other. You yeah. know, and, you know, dad does this and mum does it. They they were always coming back to each other, whether or not that was to fight or shout or laugh or whatever. Mm. But they always came back to each other. And so you knew that there was something there. And mm. actually, in the later stages of my mum's life, to suddenly go down another path here, um, dad had dementia. Um, and my mum spoke to me quite honestly about how she missed the affection. Mm. And it's something that's quite common yeah. in dementia that, you know, yeah. the people lose that kind mm-hmm. of emotional side and, and that connection with their partner. And um, I, I know that she, she felt that really keenly. Yeah. The loss so of what, I mean, that, what, a, what a loss for her. Actually, Mm -hmm. Um, but what you're describing is the stuff that John Gottman talks about, which is um, everything is foreplay. And what you picked up on is the connection. So it doesn't always have to be touchy feely to feel that kind of intimacy. But they it sounds to me as if they looked each other in the eye. They had communication in lots and lots of ways. And all that is really sexy. So you being in that atmosphere would have picked up on, oh, we communicate in lots of ways to let each other know that we love one another. And yeah. That's really important. Well, it is, but I'm still quite uptight. <laughs> so I yeah, don't but know you're, a different, you're a separate person to them. So yeah. you came, yeah, so you would, have pick, you would have been picking up on other things and you've got your own world and your own experiences that you're drawing on as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. It's not just a sort of single path, is it? I mean, because yeah. you, Karen, saying that you obviously grew up in a very, um, well, how would you describe that atmosphere? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> words feel me. <laughs> I have no idea. Just, yeah, repressed. Is that what the word is? I don't know. It's just, it was, it was. Mm-hmm. So, how did you, so how much did that affect your attitudes towards? Sex. Oh, well, that's probably why I left home at 17 and was married, you know, at 19 into a failed marriage, very young, just to sort of get away from it and knowing nothing about sex. And and I have to say, I remember um, my sister Ag phoning me up. I have no idea why. And saying, hi, Car. 
put it now. Have you ever had an orgasm? I was like, eh, yeah, I think so. But in that case, you've not. And I was like, how do you know? She said, you've not. The next thing is a vibrator <laughs> arrives in the post for me <laughs> with instructions, basically, use this. Uh, almost not like a washing machine on spin, but just kind of, <laughs> just kind of like, um, without going into too much detail, uh, you know. Uh, and I said, okay then. And she said, on your own, in the house. Can I just say our poor engineer is probably mortified here. <laughs> He's younger than my youngest child. <laughs> what? I'm so sorry. Um, and she said, when you're on your own, you know that nobody else is going to be coming into the house, anything like that, and just go for it. And I was like, <laughs> she said, was that a success? Yes. And the funny thing is, I think, oh, within days, I said to my other friend, who I'll not name just now, and she said, eh, uh, I think so. I said, you've not. And, and actually, I'd said it to a few of my contemporaries at the time. So it's interesting that maybe we were actually all from the north of Scotland. Maybe it's just a, it, it comes from um, being brought up there. God, and what a big sistery thing to do. I know. I don't know when, um, I know, because she would have been what, four years older than me. And maybe she just thought, uh, you know, maybe we, because we did talk about, you know, lots of mm. things, but I'd never actually talked about that and she'd never asked me about it, but there she was. Yeah. So thanks, Ag. Yeah. Well, what was the atmosphere like in your house growing up then, Angela? Oh, Lord, there's a question. Um, oh, gosh, now I'm on the spot. Um, it was very volatile. Um, my parents um, had an awful, awful marriage. So I'll start there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, my dad had multiple affairs. So right. he was getting it. Um, and, and were you aware of that? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Because when my mum was out, in would come the mistresses. So I was very aware of it as a very little girl, that th- there was something wrong about the way my parents operated, which might explain why I'm in the area of relationships and psychology. Um, yeah. But it, it, so I, I wasn't confused about what was happening. I just knew it was wrong. And Karen, when you were saying there about uh, uh, Sunday morning and 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 sex noise, I mean, you know, I was blasted with sex noises from my dad and his mistresses. And this is a form of trauma that I also, you know, treat people with because it's it's very confusing as a child. To It's, it's kind of inappropriate when you're very little um, and it's not your mum. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes. So I thought I'd share that with you. But yeah. but that is that is the, the beginning of that kind of experience for me. Mm. And so I do understand that when people talk about sex and sexual intimacy and what it means to them, it comes from a place often that's very complex. Yeah. God, that's that's so fun. And, and thanks for thanks for sharing. I didn't mean to kind of put you on the, the spot in that way. No, um, it's fine. I'm happy to share. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it, it really kind of makes me think about. Not that we don't have honest conversations about sex, but it's it's it is an iceberg, isn't it? I I genuinely feel, Angela. I don't know what you feel on this. That a lot of the conversations we have in the public domain about sex are so superficial. It is yeah. untrue. Yes. You know, they're based on and the the movie. I, I mean, it was an enjoyable movie. You loved the movie. I loved it. I have to say, I did love it. And I think the central theme of you know for women that they should feel entitled to have pleasure. Though I really hate that bloody word pleasure. Oh, well, that, they use that in the, vomit in the, 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 the movie. Movie. <laughs> 
yeah, I don't know. It's a pleasure. Deep. It's like Morty's pleasure. <laughs> but I mean, I I thought that was a good message, and it did make me think quite a lot. But as we've just all discussed, the way that we are with sex as we get into adulthood is is based on so many complex things that have happened yeah. to us as yes. uh, as kids. And this will be the same for guys as well. But we oh, go completely. along with this thing, that, oh, mm. yeah, the perfect marriage, the more sex, the better the marriage or better the relationship. Yeah. Um, men want it a lot. Oh, women hold back a little bit. You know, if you get to a point that your relationship, that there's no sex in the relationship, then the relationship's dead. It's just, it's such an arid discussion and it really frustrates me. Yes, and I think there is a lot of um, anxiety around conversations. And I think, you know, we all have our personal stories, our personal histories. We also have the Disneyfication of love That's and good. marriage. And, and I think the two don't, don't match. And so I think certainly in older people, there is a different kind of baggage than there is for younger people. Because when I work with a lot of younger people, they have different anxieties. They're in a uh, in a in more complex worlds where there's so much information on social media. There's so many experts, but they're more engaging in relationships that they call situationships, which right. are less about um, saying to people uh, declaratively, "We're together, we're an item, we're committed." It's like it's not quite friends with benefits, but it's like, well, if it ends, uh, no one cares. We're not declaring it. But underneath that runs an anxiety about relationships ending. So they have a different notion of sex, relationships, depth, complications. Older people are much more. I don't want to talk about it. In fact, Relate. I'm a president of Relate. They did um, a whole um, piece of research around around sex in the over 65s because they found that their rising numbers of STIs amongst the over 65s. That's interesting. interesting in itself. And I think it was only one fifth of people across the UK think it's okay to talk about sex and intimacy in people aged 60 and over. So you can see that there are so many different messages and so many different areas that we are avoiding, we don't want to talk about. So what do we do? We run back to the idealized romantic, the rom-coms, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the Disney princesses and all of that, because that's safe. So you might, you're responding to the superficiality, which I think is absolutely true in many cases. But the reason for that is underneath that there's anxiety. And that anxiety could be coming from your cultural background, your family culture, the systems that you grew up in, your religion, um, what happened to you as a child, what messages you received, all these things inform your story. Mm. So I think for a lot of us, we stay in the safe spaces where we can talk about a Jennifer Aniston movie and it's it's, yeah. it's good because I it's clean, it's safe. We don't want to talk about masturbation. We don't want to talk about self-love, which is actually where we should start. Yeah. And but it's that thing about that. The, the story that I love. In fact, it was a project that I kind of started during lockdown and then uh, for all sorts of reasons it didn't happen, which I'm really sad about and, and maybe one day I'll pick it up again. But I was really interested in the real sex lives of 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 people, the real sex lives of Britain, I was going to call it. And three yeah. women really stick in my mind. And uh, they were kind of older women. So one of them, beautiful looking woman, you know, and anyone would see her walking down the street and think, oh my God, she's going to have a really kind of active sex life. She was with a really handsome younger guy, you know, everything fitted in. And then we talked and talked and talked and talked. And to cut it short, she grew up and her mum was a prostitute. 
And she grew up with the mum next door and men coming in, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result, in her older life, she wasn't particularly sexually motivated. And she and her boyfriend liked to lie in bed, hold hands and uh, eat biscuits and, you know, and, and were happy. And we're perfectly happy with that. Another woman I spoke to, (laughs) excuse me, um, you know, had a very sort of um, distant relationship with sex right up until her 40s when she met a lovely guy because she'd been sexually abused by her grandfather. Unfortunately, you know, extremely common. And then another woman I spoke to who had had a wonderful relationship, met this guy when, you know, they were kids and it was fantastic. And he died very suddenly when I think he was 40 and and she kind of went out off the rails and started having sex. You know, I don't mean indiscriminately, but one night stands everywhere. And, you know, and just these are just three Mm -hmm. stories. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we don't hear these stories. Mm -hmm. No, we don't. Really to understand, you know, what's happening with people's physical lives. But it is difficult to talk about your sex life, isn't it? Particularly, it is. why? I, I don't know, Kate. Are you happy to talk about yours? <laughs> well, I, well, I tell you why I do find it difficult, and I don't even feel embarrassed to to say that is because it's too complicated, and so it's much easier just to make jokes. Too and, complicated and yes. for you. Everyone's story is complicated. My story is complicated. Your story is complicated. Angela's story is complicated. So the easiest yeah. thing to do is go, oh, I'd rather have a cup of tea or, oh, you know, just all yes. that. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, but I think the, the conversation, the most important conversation uh, we should be having about sex with is with our partner. And a lot of people avoid that in relationships. Uh-huh. So they don't talk to each other about their own sex lives. Yeah. And they don't talk about their own needs or if the needs are not being met and they're just going through the missionary position for 40 years, that conversation's never had. And so it's, and then, and you know, somebody dies and it's like, I was so dissatisfied all that time, but I didn't have the heart to tell her or tell him. And I think if you can't talk to your partner about the most intimate thing, I understand if people don't want to share it with the whole world, that's fine. It's very intimate. And it's the one time, if you think about it logically, where two people are incredibly vulnerable with each other. And it's the greatest expression, if you if you think about it on that level, of, of love it's like we're being vulnerable with one another and we're sharing that moment together but talking about it with your partner saying you know I, I I'd like you to do a little bit of this and less of that is quite hard for people because they're like I don't know how to start that conversation without hurting their feelings or I'm embarrassed about it even though you know they've seen me give birth so you know it, it's it's really really layered and some people don't even talk about sex with themselves it's like oh no, that's just, it that's it I don't it. even want to talk to me about it I'll just avoid it so it becomes this kind of taboo and and as soon as something becomes a taboo what do you do with that you avoid 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 and let, then you say you have children and you avoid having those conversations with those children who are then at the mercy of social media and their peer group who will then inform them often wrongly about sex and relationships or they'll go to porn and look at it that way and learn about intimacy that way Mm. and that's anything but intimate so you can I see where the complications come from but it's actually if I'm not even talking to me about it and I'm not talking to my partner about it what am I doing here and Mm. it's a very important part of of who we are in terms of our identity but how we express it holding hands like John Gottman says is foreplay it's very intimate it's very close and if that's what you and your partner like 
that's great. You don't have to be getting your rocks off seven mm. days a week going, this is the best thing. <laughs> it's what works for you. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Are you allowed? I mean, there's the, the Emma Thompson film, and you described exactly the, the situation of that character, that she'd mm-hmm. been with the same guy for 30 or 40 years and, you know, they'd done the same things at the yeah. same time, etc., which actually made me feel sad in a lot of ways um, because and sad for the guy as well yeah you, you know because the, the movie is very about women being able to sort of take control of their own pleasure um, which is fine but I actually felt really sad for the guy and then yeah. two of them you just think is that and as you say Angela you know if you can't even have that conversation yourself where are you really going to start mm. but still yeah. the starting point is that you should have sexual pleasure and I, this is another sort yeah. of weird situation. I remember like a million years ago, I was hosting this um, uh, TV show and uh, it was like a uh, an audience show about sex. And I was 28 and um, I was quite so into young. it at the time. Um, and this woman in the audience would be probably the same age as I am now, mm-hmm. probably like late 50s. And I'm holding on to that for another few months. Um, and... Uh, the subject of celibacy came up and God love her. She was brave. She put up her hand and she said she and her partner who she'd been with for many, many years uh, had not had sex for eight years. And I remember 28 year old me, and of course I'm trying to be professional, but 28 year old me in the back of my head is going, fucking hell. Oh my God, this is tragic. I'm smiling at this woman, but really I wanted to like think, Oh, this is terrible. But she said, you know what, we're happy. I love him. He loves me. Um, you know, they had lots of shared interests. I don't know. They sat on the couch, they cuddled, whatever. She was yeah. contented and happy. And my 28-year-old self could not process that. My 59-year-old yeah. self can process that. Yeah. But yeah. it was like a failure. You could feel the studio go, <gasps> yeah. that somebody has said this out loud. Yeah. Aren't we so judgy? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Until we get to that life stage. And then Mm. we get it because, you know, lots of things affect our sexuality and intimacy. It's hormones. It's our psychological state. It's our mental health. It's, you know, how do I feel about me? How do I feel about my partner? You know, what are they going through? You know, some men do suffer, you know, at certain ages with erectile dysfunction, there's stress in life. All these things affect and, and infect the way we see our relationships, which is, you know, why we have, you know, excellent therapists we can go and talk to about it. Um, And sometimes, you know, the first time people talk about their sex lives is when they sit with their therapist Mm. and and they open up that conversation, which can be, you know, absolutely revelatory for the pair of them. I didn't know you felt like that and really shift the conversation and shift the relationship to a better place. But it's, it's the willingness to be open and honest about it. I think that's really hard for a lot of people. And, you know, sometimes it's just, like, you know, I have people listening to this are just going, you know what, it's not that hard for us to start a conversation with one another. Because once you start, there's a lot to say. Yeah. And it feels, and it, but you need to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think probably the first thing is exactly as you say, Angela, is having a conversation with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder how many of us really do that um, yeah. and, and analyse why we feel the way that we, we do feel about sex. Have you done that, Karen? No, and I actually don't know very much about my own body. And that's a thing, that's you know, yep. You know, when you're 15, 16, 17, I think I remember actually even using 
tampons and my mother almost suggesting that it was something wrong with it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. my, my friend's mum did that. Yeah. Oh my God. So there's no connection there in terms of feeling safe. You said, you know, talking yeah. about feeling safe and you're vulnerable. You just don't want to go there with the person you should be able to speak to about it. So the next thing is you're leaving home, you're going to college, you can on and and instead of kind of like me kind of opening up and finding out about myself, I think I just kind of went in the way and just thought, mm, this is life, you know. And it wasn't until I met uh, my two girls' father that actually I began to live. And, and 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 it was him almost kind of not explaining things, but just allowing me to feel vulnerable or mm-hmm. to kind of just be myself. Actually, not even knowing that. It just helping me, I think, mm. and and that was massive for me anyway. So how you were absolutely lovely. Yeah. How lovely to have your partner do that with you. That's great. Yeah, he was he was just more um, mature, I think. Not in years. Oh, actually, probably was as well. He's maybe eight years older than me. But uh, yeah, it, it it was funny. It was funny, and I remember it actually. So I stayed in a flat. Uh, in Glasgow and uh, I had separated by this time from I was married very early and then I met Richard and um, Richard coming down to stay and my mum sorry my mum came down to stay with us and Richard uh, was over to stay with me one bedroom place and Richard's saying well I'll just uh, turn in because he didn't want to say right I'm off to bed because it's that bed thing and I'd obviously explained to Richard that we don't talk in our house about anything connected with the bed so it's almost like God it was that bad was it I don't know Kay but I felt felt it was I felt it and that's that's the thing that mattered it it, it, yeah grim Mm. do you know I often feel um even more sorry for guys Angela, in that I think for women, at the very least, we are able to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas blokes aren't. There's so much expectation yes. that, that men take the lead, that they know what they're doing, that they're yeah. in charge. And sometimes we're very judgmental of men because they're not understanding enough, they're not considerate enough, and they, you know, they're imposing mm. themselves. But I think, God, they're going to be just as lost as we are in a different mm-hmm. way. But they're, they're not right, actually yeah. allowed to say, do you know what, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Or I don't know what I want. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent, excellent point. And I think that it's, it is about two people having that conversation and also about, you know, for us women, giving men the space to express all of that and say, I don't know what I'm doing or you're my first or I do suffer from performance anxiety because I'm expected to do all of these things and I don't or I don't like that. And it, it should be... Um, equal in relationships that, you know, where are we both coming from? And I think we might have those conversations about other things, but when it comes to that emotional intimacy and sexual intimacy, we don't really create the space for those conversations for it to be a back and forth. And yes, women do have more permission because we are socialized that way to talk about things to each other. So you go, oh yeah, I have problems with him and blah, blah, blah. And men go, might go down the pub and not have those conversations and really, really struggle and suffer in silence. So I think it's really important for men to feel that they're also welcome in the room to express their anxieties and their feelings and to work on it with their partner. I think that's really valuable. What guy is going to say, um, I'm having trouble getting an erection? I mean, that is a really hard thing for a guy to say. Or, Or I don't like blowjobs. (laughs) 
because you know the assumption <laughs> yeah. is that every guy is just desperate for a blowjob at any point in time. I'm sure yeah. some aren't, you know, but can they say yeah. it? Do you think? What do I think? What? <laughs> There's any guys out there who would um, who would say no? I don't want a blowjob. Yeah, I think there will be. Yeah, there are guys who who don't like it, and they, <laughs> but I think I think it also comes from you know how we're men taught about sex and about cultural expectations that you are the bloke in the room and you take the lead. And, and I'm talk, we're just talking about heterosexual uh. relationships here, um, just to be clear. Um, but if you have all those expectations, sex is going to be pretty crap for you because you're going to be burdened by those things. Mm. And and I think a lot of guys that I've certainly I've worked with um, in clinic, they do turn to porn and they're like, mm. is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this how it's supposed to be? And that's just purely mechanical perfectionism that doesn't is, is just ridiculous fantasy. Um, and, and they take that back into the relationship and it's not intimate and it doesn't work. And they get, you know, they come back and say, you know, my partner told me I'm too aggressive. Well, I'm like, what were you doing? You know, what character were you playing? Well, you weren't being yourself. You weren't being truthful. So I think men need to um, feel that they can say those things to their partner without being negatively judged. Mm. The other thing I think is interesting in this conversation is obviously, well, the podcast called How to Be 60. So we're looking at the older age group. And there's a kind of casual assumption, isn't it, that the younger uh, age group generation is so much more relaxed, so much more comfortable, so much more prepared to say what they want because they're flooded, you know, with all of this yeah. information. But yeah. yeah. In the course of this conversation, I'm thinking, you know, you can be a 65-year-old fuck-up, you can be a 25-year-old fuck-up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what's happening on the top might be different, but what's happening underneath mm-hmm. is probably not that different. No, you're absolutely right. And I think um, it's it, it, it's the baggage that you're carrying, the messages you received. Some people are very free of that and they feel very secure in themselves and very open and they can connect with people at 25 or 65 and it's fine and it works. But I think the older you get, it, it can feel harder and harder to be open. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of people also who've lost their partners and are entering into a new relationship, a second relationship, and th- th- they're taking that baggage in with them like you know I wasn't very good in I wasn't very good in the bedroom and I don't know how she's going to feel about me and it's like will you start just by you know holding hands you know kissing each other on the lips there are lots of things that can make a relationship sexy and you build towards it there's this whole fantasy about it's all about the you know the fireworks that happen what about the build-up what about the John Gottman foreplay you know, when you wake up in the morning and you tell each other, you know, you're beautiful or, you know, I love being with you. These things are sexy. Mm. Do you think you can wipe the slate clean? I'm thinking back to this film. So Emma Thompson, after 30 years of of um, a pretty dull sex life, now goes with this beautiful young man who's gorgeous, but also a gorgeous spirit. And mm. so she's done it all. She's done it doggy style. She's, you know, had oral sex, given oral sex, all the things she goes through in this kind of list. Do you think that wipes the slate clean? And then she begins at the age of 62, you know, this this great new sex life? Well, I, it sounds like from, I mean, I haven't seen the film, um, that some of the t- t- reasons she, a character like that might be stuck in the missionary position is that they were, one or both were too scared to be adventurous and that became a taboo. And so she kind of destroys that taboo by trying everything. And suddenly it's not it's not that big of a deal. And I actually, I do like that. So yes, in that way you can go, well, I've got past that. I've done it now. And 
I like that and I don't like that and I'd like to do that bit again. So I think it's it's that kind of mental block that you can shift, but you've got to be prepared to shift it mm. rather than build a higher wall and go, no, I, I can't, no, I don't even want to think about it. So I think it's down to the individual in how they approach it. But after 30 years or, you know, 60, let's say 60, I wonder, and I'm not advising that people go out and do this, but I wonder if it's going to be easier to do it with a clean skin than it is with your partner of 30 years. I don't know. Maybe we will suddenly see lots of men and women going out and finding a partner with whom they have no history, no baggage, no relationship, but they think, right, you know what, Let, let's just do the thing. Karen? I suppose I'm still thinking in terms of the film, I like the fact that she had her first orgasm, not with him, but on with her, you know, herself. It's a masturbation. Yeah. And, and, and that was lovely. And he was actually in the room and unaware of it. And then, well, that's a spoiler, isn't it? Sorry. But um, to me, I thought that's excellent. And it's not got to be with somebody else. Mm, yeah. Have you, have you seen Grace and Frankie? Yes, I love it. I mean, you know, oh, that was yeah. a great thing that, that, you know, blew out a lot of taboos. And a lot of young people were huge fans of that show because they felt permission to, to you know, follow the Grace and Frankie model. Yeah, because it's not about age at all. No. It's not about age at all. Mm-hmm. It is about it's really having that <laughs> conversation with yeah. yourself and starting from there. Yeah. Uh, Angela, thank you so much. It's been this really fascinating. Been so interesting. Thank you. Yeah. The cogs been... in um, Karen's head, I, I can know. see them going right. <laughs> but we've got to let Angela you come go. back. <laughs> well, maybe you would, Angela, if we get people who, who are getting in touch with emails and, and you know, want to talk about this stuff more, would you come back? I'd come back. It's fun hanging out with you two. You're brilliant. Oh, good, good. Well, it's been really lovely. Well, more than lovely, really, really thought provoking. Yes. And, and really interesting. So thank you so much. Thank um, you for having me. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. So I could. uh, That was interesting, wasn't it? What did you find interesting? I just think the whole chat. I mean, she speaks so easily about sex, and that's something that you've got to learn to do almost. It doesn't come naturally, does it? Well, I don't know. I'm speaking from personal experience. It doesn't come naturally. And I think it only comes easily with very good friends. And I've got a few extremely close friends. And yeah. I can absolutely open up to them. Um, but I think I remember I, I spoke to, you know, my own girls, Lisa and Alex, about sex. And I think it maybe damaged them because I think they both came back to me at different points and said, oh, God, mum. Oh, sorry. Oh, God, mum. Gina. Yeah, that conversation you had, you know, saying it's not just about penetration. And I was like, oh, I didn't say that. You did. You did. And I thought, Clearly, I've blocked that from my mind. <laughs> Jesus, the poor souls. I don't know how old they were. I know, but it's, I mean, obviously, you try with your kids to do better than what to do better. Yeah, 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 you try and do better, and you have these conversations. But personally, I I feel there's you can only layer on so much because it's. T- I mean, I think I'm uptight about things is because I was the funny one when I was a kid, and I always what do you mean the funny one. Entertaining, uh, yeah. Believe it or not, no, I didn't know whether you meant funny, weird. Right. No, no, I'd have no. accepted that as well. No, no, I, I got my kicks out about being funny. You know, as right. sort of, I was a show off and entertained people. So right. I was, and I would look at girls my age when I was fifteen who were, to be honest, they had nothing to say, zero to say, but everyone thought they were sexy. And now, whether or not they felt sexy inside, or they were just managing to successfully arrange themselves in a sexy way, I don't know. Is this because they were gorgeous and they had big chests? 
whatever. They were just perceived as sexy mm. and I was perceived as funny. And that, I think, has somewhere lodged in my head that I just don't see myself as sexy. sexy. And I can't imagine that anyone else would ever. And that's that's irrespective of what age I've ever been. You know, I mean, that has just been there. So, so all I'm saying is we can try and speak to our children and we can try and sort of be open and have that advice. But what odd little things that you have lodged in your head at the earliest of ages, um, it's quite difficult to to just pick that out. Yeah. Have you ever felt sexy, Key? No. No, I haven't. I mean, I have looked in the mirror and thought, I look all right. You know, and and I think, you know, certainly when I was younger, I had a pretty decent body and all that kind of thing. But I've never internally felt sexy, no. And and I have enjoyed sex. I mean, you know, I I totally have enjoyed sex. And before you ask, yes, I have had several orgasms. (laughs) No, I wasn't going to ask. Countless orgasms. I was going to say, surely you must feel sort of sexy before you have sex. No, 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 no. I think there's a difference. I mean, I, I felt, uh, oh God, what's the word we used to call it? Randy when we were, I, 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 mean, I felt horny. I, I, you know, I felt sexy. What's the mature around. word for that? What's the no mature idea. word for that? I don't know. Um, I felt as if I wanted to have sex, but I think that is different from feeling like I am sexy. a sexy person. Do you feel like you're a sexy person? I have felt it in the past. I'm saying I'm not not sitting here with poor old Jackson or poor young Jackson (laughs) and you. But Jackson's been nodding very politely. I know. I wondered whether he was in agreement. I can't can't see his face fully, but um, yeah, 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 I felt sexy. Yeah. And not just to do with what I'm wearing. Good. As we talked about before. Good. I'm really looking forward to the emails on this one, aren't you? <laughs> Come on, folks. Share, share podcast yeah. at htb60.com. Um, we, we need to put a sex ban on ourselves after this. We really, really do. We're going to be speaking to the psychic Sally Morgan next week, and we are not allowed to ask her about sex. Okay. I'm just oh, seriously. That. Well, because I'm saying this, because we've talked and about it. And what you say much. goes. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Shall right. we finish with a few emails? Yes. We like will. This, uh, this is from Caroline, who's 53. Our demographic is just getting younger and younger. Uh, Dear Kay and Karen, I'm listening to episodes from back to back, back to back on my beach bed in Mallorca. We've La- got a few holidaymakers, haven't we? I know, we? laughing out loud, embarrassing my daughter. This is so much better than How to Be 60. It's covering much more. I hope there are many more episodes. Oh, nice. That's, That's good. Nice. One, yeah. um, and this is from Nikki. She says, love the podcast. She's 53 as well. Right. Uh, not yet 60, but it is creeping. I'm lucky enough to live in Marbella. Marbella is a bit of a hot spot for us. We talked about that last week, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. So this is interesting. She says age is much less important here as perhaps it is in the UK. And so much here is targeted to our age group. I only started listening this week, but I'll be adding it to my list for my Saturday morning and me time listening. That's lovely. That's good. That's Nikki. lovely. And, and Nikki, if you can be able to get in touch again, how is it different there? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. Everyone just. And listen, about half naked. Happy no. days for you. I've got this email from Jane and I've read through it. And the final line on it is, <laughs> I really hope Kay will let Karen read this email. <laughs> so, so there you go. Oh, hang on. So it's have you got your right, specs on? On that? Yeah, I have. Aha. Uh-huh. Hi, Kay and Karen. Your podcast makes me laugh so much. I love it. I'm age 50, even younger. I'm age 50 and just love getting older. Always have done. Really? Yep. Yep. Do you think? How we adjust to aging is indicative of how we view old people. Oh. Uh, I think you're right. Oh, God, I think she's right. Jeez. Is that Jane? I think she's Aye. on the money there. 
Right. I've always linked many positive attributes to old age. My friends joked in my 20s that I wanted to fast forward to retirement. Um, This is for you. Crazy shoes are the old age equivalent of having big tits. It's true. It's true. I stand by that. She says, I spat out my coffee laughing so much. (laughs) Your honest and frank chats are brilliant. And then she said, really okay. You know, I can read in this name. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. I think she's right about, you know, if you see age in a positive way or see older people in a positive way, then you're more likely to want to kind of be that, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. You don't want to be the person with the osteoporosis going down the street. No. I mean, interesting. Sally Morgan is, um, I think she's 70 or 71. So she's got the whole decade of 60s behind her. So it'll be interesting Mm. to speak to her and see what what she thinks. Yes. Um, We must go. I love that. That was, uh, I'm still quite sweaty after it. Sweaty yeah. pans. Oh, yeah. Did it make you nervous? Did it make you a bit sort of... I'm always a wee bit nervous when I open up because you never say a flaming word about yourself. That's going to be my mission. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting more out of you. Good luck. Uh, bye, everyone. <laughs> bye, uh, podcast at htb60.com. Get in touch. Thank you for listening to How To Be 60. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please take a moment to rate and review. And hit the subscribe button. A new episode drops every Friday. Next time, we're talking to psychic Sally Morgan about the loss of her husband, John.